0: Happy Pride and welcome to Hashtag Ruthless Productions, where we tell you how to live your best life as it pertains to your gender and sexuality, because it's Pride Month and this is the thing that we do. I'm Mark Malachi Gray. And I am Theo Julian Forrester. Hello, Theo. Thank you for being here. Of
1: course, of course. I will
0: definitely not fill in Jesse's shoes, but I will do my best. You're going to do great. Theo is a professional advice giver like with a degree and stuff so you're all in very good hands um jesse just had surgery two days ago so obviously she is not up for giving you advice today but we have an excellent stand-in host for all of you um. Yeah, let's just get right into it. Will you read our first question. Sure. So
1: let's see my wife and I have a gender identity question for pride month as it relates to our preteen daughter. We're great friends with our neighbors and our daughter being an only child sees our neighbors kid like an older sibling. Everything they do is lovingly copied by our daughter. When they came out as non-binary earlier this year, I talked to my daughter, letting her know about the older kid's name, pronoun, and other gender identity issues I thought I could share from my lifelong CISFET ally perspective. At this time, my daughter announced that she would like to be called by an animal name from a book series that she reads with her friends. I gently told her that gender identity isn't the same thing as pretending to be an animal, so then she told me that she'd like to be called by my middle name instead. Our problem is that this doesn't really seem to be coming from a place of honest feelings, but rather of mimicking the older sibling she adores. We, of course, want to be affirming and supportive parents. Any kind of discussion I can imagine having ends up feeling like an interrogation, which seems gross. She has given no other indication of feeling any other identity issues to speak of. She calls herself she, her, and uses her birth name all the time, except when at the neighbor's house or when signing art, a favorite activity done with the older sibling. So far, we've just kind of stood back and let this
0: play out, but I'd really like to hear your informed perspective on the situation, if you think it'd be a good discussion. I think that standing back and letting it play out is exactly the right thing to do, personally.
1: Same, same. You know, I I respect that it's something you're curious about and want to make sure that you're providing information um, from a point of like making sure your daughter understands like what goes into gender identity and all that. But, you know, I think kids need that leeway to kind of explore themselves. And if that feels right for them at that time in that place, I don't think there's any harm in that.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was in my like mid to late 20s when I started figuring out my gender stuff and I still went through like a bunch of identities before I landed on the right one. So like even if your kid does end up being like, "No, I want to use different pronouns" or like I really want to use this different name and then later decides that that isn't actually what they want, like that's fine. It doesn't hurt anything, I don't think. I think the only situation in which there would be a need for a bigger conversation as if the older sibling was like, this feels invalidating to me in some way. And in that case, I would let them at least express to you like what was feeling off about it for them and like how they want you to address it with your daughter.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that that is a really good thing to point out and I think again given like the background information and the care with which you know you're trying to educate your daughter I think that sets her up to maybe have a really good response to any kind of conversation like that should it occur
0: Mm -hmm. yeah cool good question nailed it yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right here's our next question I'm 13 years old, and around a year or more ago, I realized I was queer. I told people I was pansexual if they asked or if I wanted to tell them. More recently, five to six months ago, I realized that I was not a girl in any way. I now identify as an MLM Demi boy, which is man-loving man for folks who don't know. Um, I'm not out to my family as trans. Even more recently, I have been realizing that I am probably on the aromantic spectrum. On to the questions. My first question is, how do I know if it's a crush or gender envy? I have only had crushes on a total of two people in my life. Both were boys and both were kind of dicks. I was talking about it with my friend and they said that I could have just been experiencing gender envy before I knew what trans was, not romantic feelings. My second question is how to differentiate between my pansexuality and aromanticism. Someone needs to point out the defining factors between feeling the same amount of romantic attraction for any and all genders and feeling no romantic attraction to any genders. Also, any binder recommendations? (laughs) I love the multi-part questions. Mm
1: -hmm. Makes
0: me feel more accomplished when it's like, check, check,
1: check. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think for me personally, just kind of I think skipping maybe the the first question, but I wanted to go to the the question between pansexuality and aromanticism, um, because I'm curious if this particular question asker is asking the correct thing. Whereas like my understanding of pansexual individuals is that they can experience both romantic and sexual attraction to individuals whereas aromanticism is just kind of on the romantic feeling side so um I guess I'm I'm curious like that would be how I separate those Um, so kind of that question about how you can experience the romantic I think is how they phrased it right that you know whereas pansexual also encompasses like the sexual attraction as well
0: I mean, you can be pansexual and aromantic because sexuality and romantic attraction are different things. Yes,
1: but I think the way that they read it or the way they described right. it in the bottom made it sound like they were only encompassing maybe the romantic attraction component. So I think right. that was my reason for wanting to highlight there is panromantic, which may be a more fitting term, perhaps. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think we need to hold in mind that this question asker is 13. Definitely. And so like- how much like sexual attraction is occurring in a 13 year old is so variable from like one person to the next. So I think that's probably also something that could be like affecting how you're assessing, like what is romantic attraction versus like other kinds of attraction. Totally valid. (sighs) what are the defining factors between feeling the same amount of romantic attraction for all genders and feeling no romantic attraction to any genders? I wish that like we lived in a world where like these questions didn't feel so like urgently pressing Mm -hmm. because I kind of feel like, wouldn't it be so nice to be like 13 and be like, I don't know if I have crushes on anyone or like could have crushes on anyone. And also like, does that, matter until like I do or don't develop a crush at some point Mm -hmm. I don't know I'm not aromantic so I don't think that I know necessarily what are your feelings
1: yeah same I it's not my personal experience but yeah it's it's kind of like it would yeah it would be great if the if kind of the world or if maybe just kind of the position that you can take with yourself is like do I need to put a label on it right now because yeah like I'm young I'm changing. A lot of things might be fluid and that's totally okay. So I think just kind of going about your life, experiencing your experiences and and just see, because I think how you feel today may be very different to how you feel tomorrow. And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. When I was in high school and was like, you know, still deeply confused about what was going on with like my gender and the way that I felt inside of relationships and like the different ways that different crushes that I had felt based on like the gender of the person I was having. I was able to just be like, when people were like, what is your like sexual orientation? I was like, I'm open to whatever happens to me. Like that was my answer it was just like, I'm open. Like right now I'm dating a boy, but like also went to a school where everyone was just making out with everybody all the fucking time. And <laughs> like was excited to make out with lots of kinds of people and was just like, Yeah whatever happens, happens. I'm down. So maybe that'll work for you. Maybe you can just be open. And, like, if in three years you're like, I still don't think I've ever had a crush on anybody, then maybe you can start being like, I'm leaning towards a romantic. Sure. Or maybe next year you'll meet someone and be like, oh, I totally have a crush on someone. And, like, now I at least know that, like, whoever that person is is, like, a kind of attraction that I feel. So, like, note that down for future reference. Yes. Yeah. And I would almost fun
1: to say, maybe in terms of the, is it a crush? Is it gender envy? I think that's another one of those areas that it's kind of maybe just like go with it and see what happens. I'm sorry that your experience with those crushes, they were kind of dicks. It happens, <laughs> um, you know, but I, I think like even speaking from my experience, like, yeah, I had uh, feelings towards a lot of guys. That's when I started dating. And I don't know, looking back now, I'm like, yeah, there probably was a big part of that though that was more gender envy you know but i just kind of time will tell those things right Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and i think that if we all like ruled out attraction to guys based on our experience interacting with 13 year old boys like no one would (laughs) identify (laughs) as being attracted to guys (laughs) because like notoriously middle school boys in this society are like not the best people
1: (laughs) sad but true
0: (laughs) yeah um by no fault of their own largely like they're just raised in a society that tells them to like be kind of horrible but it's also a why not both situation you know Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like i have gender envy of my partner that i've been married to for 10 years and like am also very attracted to him in like all of the other ways um so they're not mutually exclusive
1: definitely not
0: um binder recommendations i am very excited to say that for this month and this month only target is selling binders which might be the easiest way for someone who is in middle early high school to access a binder They're selling them as bathing suits. They're being very coy with all of their like gender affirming Mm -hmm. stuff. It's cute, but I will put a link in the show notes to that. They are unfortunately, I think, only doing it for pride because performative allyship. (laughs) Um, But that's I think that's really cool. Definitely. However, I think we should also give recommendations for folks who have access to them all the time.
1: Sure. Um, So I know personally, a favorite of mine is GC2B. I feel like as a larger chested person, it, the the compression is like generally pretty decent for me and also pretty comfortable as long as you're sizing them appropriately. So just be cautious of that with binders. You don't want them to be too tight because, you know, struggle is real to breathe and you don't want to cause any kind of damage to yourself. Yeah. Um, I know an alternative to maybe a traditional binder um, that I've been talking with a lot of clients about recently is trans tape. Um, I personally haven't used it, um, but I've heard some really good things about that for folks that maybe have um, like back pain or have trouble breathing or anything like that, that a traditional binder can be so much more restrictive. Um, So the trans tape can actually just kind of free that up. um, And I don't know, I've heard some decent things about it
0: cool yeah that's i assume safer than like ace bandages which you should definitely not a
1: hundred percent yes they definitely still recommend that you try out, try like just a little spot just to see how you handle with the adhesive but they have a lot of really great like informative tutorials for folks whether they're small chested large chested about the best way to maybe go about applying removing and ways to kind of just manage any like itchiness or any kind of discomfort that may occur from that
0: so cool yeah all right you want to read our next question?
1: Sure do. All right. I'm 17 and trans mask, And in the wake of all the anti-trans legislation being passed nationally, but especially here in good old Arizona, where I live, haven't really thought about my life other than getting into college and getting out of here. But recently I've been struggling with my transition goals and how I want to exist right now. I know I don't have to decide now at all, and it's going to be a few months before I turn 18 and can legally do anything even with my parents' support, but I really don't know how to figure out if HRT is something I'm interested in. If I started tea now, there is a high likelihood that I could grow taller and get other effects that I want and wouldn't get if I waited, but I don't want to rush into anything. Any advice? I've been listening to the show for almost three years now, and it's honestly been a crucial tool in figuring out my gender identity and the words to describe how I'm feeling. So thank you so much for creating great content and being my queer internet aunt and uncle heart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you can go on low-dose tea. That's going to take like way longer for you to see any effects. So you would have a lot of time to decide whether or not you actually are enjoying the changes that you're seeing and you can like, you know, stop and start again, sort of as much as you want. And like, even things like, like facial hair and voice changes with low dose, it's going to be like minimum of a year before you start really noticing anything meaningful, which I think is a great, option. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be harder. I guess you can do lotos as a, as a shot. Um, A lot of people do it as like a topical, which some sometimes can be like harder, more expensive to access because sometimes insurance doesn't cover it, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that this is a conversation I do a lot of in my work, just kind of that not being a hundred percent sure kind of a thing, but yeah, just like you said, like, I mean, there is that option to do lotos, and nothing there is really, like, with the speed in which transition is going to be happening, there's really nothing there that's going to be, like, irreversible at that time, or it's going to be such a drastic change that, you know, um, I have one client right now that, like, topical is kind of how they started, and I said, literally, you can choose to put it on one day, and the next day, no, Um, you know, and you can kind of figure that out as you go, you know, and I think for some people, like, as they get comfortable with it, They're just like, hey, actually, this does feel good and comfortable. And sometimes I think it's like the not knowing piece that that can cause a lot of that hesitation. So, um, you know, just really giving your time and at the speed, like don't compare yourself to other people. You do you and you're going to be just fine.
0: I agree. All right. I'm a high school teacher and I'm working with our diversity, equity and inclusion office to make our school a more supportive place for LGBTQ plus students. There are plenty of teachers, myself included, that work really hard to make our classrooms inclusive and supportive spaces, but what suggestions do you have to help support and affirm students on an institutional level? Also, I adore your podcast. Thanks for bringing such joy to me and so many others. Dreamy teacher right there. (laughs) For real.
1: (laughs) Well... um... I would say, like, it's great to hear that you are doing yeah, work already. Um, I know that at least from a standpoint of uh, some consultation work I've done recently with trying to provide this this very advice, um, there can be like really like, you know, when we think of institutional, yes, it's obviously the largest scale, but even like just going from a standpoint of whether it's high school or college, um, you know, making like pronouns a thing that you introduce yourself with at the beginning of the year, um, And something that, you know, just by kind of doing it or, you know, encouraging it to be done on like a Zoom level that, you know, it is already there. And that's going to make some of those kids just like clock that and be like, oh, wow, this is somebody that already is thinking about me. Kind of same thing to being conscious of maybe having trans kiddos or non-binary kiddos that use different names than what's legally on the roster. And if that's something that is like brought to your attention, being careful with like roll call and things like that, that you're, you know, putting out the name that they are using and that way that you're not like outing them or making them feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Finding ways to find that out before like the first day of school roll call probably too would be good I don't really know what that would look like but
1: yeah I I know at least from the standpoint and I'm imagining it's probably different on a high school level but from a college standpoint you know um, professors like including something in the syllabus just about like setting the tone for like this is a safe space for you if you have any of these concerns reach out to me and let me know ahead of time so that this is something I can prepare for um, and I think like little gestures like that go a really long way for sure
0: yeah Definitely. Yeah, I think, like, just also being mindful about the way that you talk about things and, like, policies, I think especially in, like, I don't know, gym classes, um, about when you're, like, dividing students up because people really want to do, like girls on one side boys on the other a lot and like just don't do that like have it be a like find another way (laughs) count (laughs) people off one two one two if you need to divvy your class into two parts is another just like super easy I think just thinking about all of the like subtle ways that gender like sneaks its way into how your classes are like just existing like how we talk about things and finding ways to make that more supportive I don't know what like the actual laws are about like mixed gender like bathrooms and locker rooms but not having it so that there's like oh we have like one bathroom available that like trans students can use comfortably and it's like a single stall that would be great like degendering bathrooms generally I don't really know how that is that like illegal or just like people think it's weird? I don't know.
1: I feel like people think it's weird. It really shouldn't be. I just want to be like, y'all, Yo, you all have a non-gendered bathroom in your home. <laughs> like, right. Like, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but you know how things go. So I think, yeah, I'm imagining on like a, like institutional level, that might be a bit of a harder sell you know, but kind of, like, to go off of, too, like, what Lark's saying, like, being conscious of, like, yeah, the, the gendered ways in which, you know, people will traditionally talk to students or, yeah, split students up. I also think, like, maybe encouraging schools, too, to see if there are alternatives or, like, books and materials like that that, like, could have more inclusive language um, if those are out there and, those are things that you're able to get. I know that like resources can be very tight, but like even as a teacher, like point out the 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 fact that like, this is not inclusive of all people when you have a material, um, you know, pull extra statistics. Like it's a little bit of work, but again, like, it will, like, is something that will really be meaningful to people to, like, if you can include it, do include it, and if there isn't the information there, like, make a point to say, hey, there isn't enough research being done in this area, but it's, like, a shame, and it should be something that happens in the future, Um, and I think, like, just those kind of subtle things of the forward thinking, and, you know, you already sound like a pretty socially justice-oriented person, so I think it's important to to kind of go that route, too.
0: Agreed. All right. You want to read our next question?
1: Yep. All right. So how do I know that a name fits me or that I like it? Also, y'all were the reason I figured out I was asexual because you were talking about how Agatha was aromantic and I realized I felt the way about sex she did about romance. Cute. Definitely.
0: Ugh. Names. You just try them mm-hmm. and, and see. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I wish that was a that was a more specific answer but yeah that's that's kind of it uh you know i i think there's no nothing set in stone that you have to stick with the name that you have um so you know maybe this month you choose one and if it doesn't quite hit for you uh, try another one you know hopefully you have a group of supportive folks around you that maybe it's just like i'm gonna try it out on a small basis with these few people until i really find um Something that feels right for me. That way, it's maybe less of the I have to tell everybody all of the time because that's really daunting, and I can understand that that's not something that you want to do.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think when I changed my name, I like I was like, okay, pretend for a minute that I was going to have kids. Like, what are the names that I would be excited to like name a child? And then I just like took the top three and was like what order do I want these in for my full name because I changed my whole name and then just sort of like rearranged things until it like flowed the way I wanted it to and that you know felt good for me I had a friend who went through like six names before he landed on The one that he wanted to use, though, it was, like, the first one that he went to. But, like, I don't know, for whatever reason, he just, like, didn't want that to be his name. And so went through, like, five more and then, like, circled back around to option one and was, like, this is the only one that, like, when I say it, my face lights up. Like, this is the Mm -hmm. one. So.
1: Yeah. Just that intangible thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm even thinking from my experience, while I don't really, like... I don't have any necessarily positive or negative to my, like, given birth name, but I, you know, in changing it, I kind of wanted to still honor, like, some piece of, like, a family legacy type thing, so I took my grandfather's name and chopped it off and got Theo to still kind of honor him in that way, so it's kind of like I get to carry that along with me, so that's a thought, too, if you have anyone important in your life, anyone that's made some kind of impact. Um, you know, might be a good place to to think and start and play around with.
0: Yeah. And you landed on your name like pretty fast, right?
1: I did. Yeah. I, I think it was kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah. It was kind of one of those things that it's I'd not put a lot of thought into it. And so I did. And it was just kind of was like, I think it's this. The only time I questioned it was, you know, when people heard it wrong and they're like, what is it? What is it? You know, but you just you get used to you get used yeah. to that.
0: You learn to enunciate, especially when you have Definitely. a name that people think is Mark all the time. I'm like, let me say my L's really, really clearly. <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. I'm not
1: Thea. I'm not Leah. I'm Theo. <laughs>
0: right. Yep. <sighs> okay. Last question. Already? I just slammed through these. Sure did. All right. There's a little bit of backstory to my question. Recently, I've been lucky enough to finally get top surgery. Let me tell you, that in itself was a battle. And now that it's happened, I'm in recovery, and there are a lot of feelings coming up within me that are complicating things. I have not wavered at all in my excitement for top surgery, or what this will mean for my life moving forward, but I've also noticed a lot of mourning moving forward. I find that I'm feeling grief and sadness over a lot of things, sadness over the fact that I need to change my body to actually be happy with my life, sadness that the world really holds no space for queer and trans life affirming health care, and mourning over the fact that I feel my life, at least the life the way I, that I want it to be, is starting so much later in life. When I have spoken to other people in the community, I have heard similar thoughts and feelings from others, regardless of their desire for medical transition or not, but these complex feelings are almost never discussed outside of the community, and if they are, they are used as an an excuse to revoke care for queer and trans people. With all that, here is my question. How do you hold complicated feelings, anger, sadness, grief, while also moving forward towards a more joyful life? What ways do you make space for your own complicated feelings in a world that seemingly wants queer and trans people to only fulfill a specific happy narrative?
1: It's a doozy of a question. hmm Well, first off, congrats on your top surgery. It's awesome. And I guess, you know, I I, I think that is that is the struggle. Like, uh you know, I personally have not had top surgery yet, um, but I've, I've heard that echoed from a lot of people that have, you know, whether it's like a post-surgery kind of depression thing that kicks in. I mean, it's kind of like a closing of one chapter, a start of a new one, um, you know, and kind of thinking of all the ways that like things could have been or might have been or, you know, and that's that's some heavy stuff. So I think just giving yourself space to kind of like sit with that and process it, um, you know, and follow those thoughts kind of to their fullest point, um, you know, because I think that'll reveal a lot about yourself and, you know, can give you a lot of things to think about as you move forward in the future, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that I don't know that there's like anything about, like, I feel sad that I need to change my body to be happy that, like, is incongruous with like trans joy. And, That feeling of like, I think, you know, being older when you do transition or like when you do get access to the healthcare that you need for like your own happiness or even just like coming out, um, feeling that sense of grief for like, I feel so much better now and I wish that I could have felt better sooner, again, is like, I don't know, anyone who would be like, oh, that that's like a reason that people shouldn't have access to care is like, that doesn't make any sense. Like it, the sadness comes from like not having access to like a world that lets us see ourselves or like identify ourselves earlier or like, doesn't give us access to that care earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think also like, I feel that way about gender, but like, I also feel that way about the fact that I like didn't get on psych meds until I was like 27. Like, I mourn the fact that I was, like, so deeply sad for, like, my entire life up until that point, because, like, I know how much better I feel now. And that doesn't take anything away from the fact that I'm like, wow, it feels really great to, like, have my mental health under control. And, you know, I think there are lots of things that in our lives, like, having, experiencing healing and experiencing joy around something can also make you, like, look back with sadness at like what you didn't have access to or like the way that you felt what before that does that make sense
1: 100 yeah I also think too like something I would encourage if it feels right for you but like maybe you know in like sitting with and thinking about those feelings for yourself like you know but you're also taking steps to be like visible for the like the person that you are and I think like that in itself like in the world that is so messed up like that's really powerful for other people to see that aren't yet at that point don't have that opportunity um so I think you know you doing that and you seeking out that joy to its fullest potential is like really rad um you know and in the places that you are able to make a change and call out like inequities and injustices and, you know, raise up people's voices um, so that, you know, we can start shifting that needle in a way that, you know, people can just be who they are and they can see that support all around them. I think like that community aspect can be really like kind of healing and help kind of spread out that, like those complicated emotions, um, because it's, you know, I think it's something that we all could be very familiar with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it, you don't you don't owe society any sort of narrative that isn't like your authentic narrative. And I do think that it's important to just be honest about your experiences. Yeah. Like the question of like how do you hold complicated feelings while moving towards a more joyful life is like the I don't know. I think for a lot of folks, accessing Like, being able to come out, being able to, like, live authentically, like, the joy just comes with that. Like, you don't have to work for that. The joy will come to you, and you can be holding those complicated feelings and, like, sadness about the world that we live in and, like, sadness about how long it maybe took you to get to this point. That's not going to stop the sense of, like, relief and excitement that you're going to feel as a result of, like, actually getting to the point where you want to be with how you're expressing your gender. That's really well said. I try. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. We did it. We helped all the people. Not really. We have so many more questions, everyone, and we will (laughs) over time answer all of them. And those episodes will go up on our Patreon. But if you submitted a question and you aren't a patron, I will send you the episode when it comes out but if you submitted a question you're like please don't email me this gay thing because like I'm in high school and like my parents can't see it uh, please feel free to send a message through our website being like here's a way I I would like to receive it I will not cold email anyone who is underage who sent us a question so if you do want access to it you need to tell me how you want to get it yeah. Um, cool. Thank you so much, Theo. No, thank
1: you. I really enjoy, you know, guesting when I can and sending jesse all the healing vibes. Yes. So she can be back at it soon.
0: Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of hashtag Ruthless Productions. Don't forget that if you want to hang out with us during our summer break, you can listen to our podcast about our flag means death, which is called the Gay Pirate Podcast. Also, you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at The Gayly Also, you can join our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash The where we're doing all sorts of fun stuff, like watching movies, uh, including watching Hook with our patrons this coming Sunday, the 26th, at 3 p.m. Eastern. And also, you can find all of that stuff in the show notes or uh, check out our website, which is hashtag ruthless.com. And until next time, have a great pride.